Welcome to the Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sophie Waters. And I'm Sarah Purnell. And this episode we're looking at A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Elle is in her third year at the Scholomance, a darkly mysterious school of magic. Learning to become an all-powerful wizard should be fun, right? But when you can't even trust the chair you're sitting on not to bite holes in your body, it becomes less fun and more life-threatening. Traversing schoolyard politics, battling strange and deadly creatures, knowing you have enough power to flatten whole towns and villages, and that's on a good day. A deadly education is in every way the sum of its title. First book of season seven. Mm-hmm. Season seven. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> and with quite uh, a difference in um, subscribers between season six as well. Yeah, so thank you so much for everyone supporting us. We really enjoy making this podcast for you. And we're glad that you like to listen to <laughs> so before we get stuck in as per i'm just gonna um give you a few content warnings for a deadly education we have death violence gore murder blood injury and bullying among some others <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's quite a dark one this one so do make sure you look at the full list um which you can find on Storygraph. Uh, also this is your spoiler warning because we will be talking about all the twists and turns including the big cliffhanger at the end if you are not a member of our book club, we think you really should be, you know. <laughs> that was really stupid. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> Completely lost my thread. It was cute. I liked it. <laughs> if you're not signed up to our mailer and a part of our book club, um, we would love to have you join us. So we are the darkacademicalsbookclub.substack.com and starting with this episode the beginning of a new season the beginning of a new year we have revamped the whole thing and we are super excited about what we're going to be delivering you um every week from now on uh we've also got special episodes special content for our paid subscribers we've got academic deep dives on each book that we look at in a season for everybody and we also have some really fun exclusive author content coming for you very soon so we hope you all join us over there. So, for a season kickoff, why did we choose a deadly education? I think because there's just still so much chatter about this series, isn't there? Yeah. So it's now finished. Um, it's a trilogy, isn't it? And the final book came out last year, I believe. So, I so. yeah. So it's now complete, and it's still. It, it's one of those weird ones where it gets loads of mixed reviews, but most of the things that I hear about it is that people love it. It's one of those weird ones. Yeah, it it is an interesting one because I obviously have read it before. I got it out from the library, like, must have been early last year. Um, Might have even been before that. Um, And I I wasn't really blown away by it and couldn't really understand what I was missing. So I was kind of excited to kind of revisit it because maybe you never know. Sometimes you come at these books and you're not in the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Or in my case, I had to get it read so I could take it back to the library. So there's a bit of like forced, forceful reading involved <laughs> in that. But um, well, I reread it. Did it make a difference? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I'd, I'd been curious about the book. I haven't read anything by Naomi Novik before um, and I'd wanted to. I'm quite curious about Uprooted. Um, one of her earlier adult novels so yeah I was curious but having heard from Sarah that she wasn't much of a fan I think that actually made me even more curious (laughs) to read it and to kind of tackle it for the podcast because it is such a it's both popular and divisive (laughs) yeah so we thought it'd be a really good meaty book to get um get the season started with and I think it's gonna be just that (laughs) So, as ever, we will run through our tropes of dark academia and see where a deadly education lines up. Um, if you want all of the info on how we kind of got to these decisions and how we kind of structured the podcast, you should head to our first ever full episode, An Introduction to Dark Academia, which gives you all of the info. And we even have a special extra new segment of the podcast um, coming for you towards the end of the episode. 
So first off, a higher education setting, often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way. Yeah, I mean, you can't get more on campus. (laughs) No. They never leave. Literally never. (laughs) We don't even see outside the building, do we? We are inside the school the whole time. We only ever get, yeah, we get flashbacks where obviously we see where she lived with her mum and we oh, see yeah, when you know course. she went to visit when she went to visit mm. um her dad's family but the actual present action is all at the school never yeah. leaves ever <laughs> <laughs> i think it's quite an interesting one like in terms of higher education because ls16 but it's set up like a university I think but she like, very um, much reads like a 16-year-old, perhaps even younger. Yeah, I don't know if it's just set... Because we use the words freshmen and juniors. and mm. So I think it's set up more like American high school in the sense that the seniors are obviously like our year... I'm assuming... So trying to work it out, she's like year 12. So she'd be the first if she year was, sixth form. If she was 16, yeah... I can never remember how the um, US system works, but I think freshmen are 14, 13, 14. Well, yeah, it works like our year goes 10, 11, 12, 13. Yeah, I think that's, so. That's yeah. the equivalent. Okay. So, so, so yeah, she's only she's got one more year left. Yeah, that's okay. how I worked it out. Right. Um, but I don't know. It was very weird. I mean, I say this, <laughs> I say quite simply, this was a very weird setup because. <laughs> There are many aspects about this school that don't make sense. And I think if you're really enjoying the book, you probably just go Go with with it it. and it's fine. But when you're a little bit nonplussed, I guess (laughs) is the nice way to put it, you just start seeing all the holes in it and you're like, what What actually is going on here? And part of me wonders is if I dared to continue with the series, maybe some of those questions would be answered but I'm not nearly curious enough to do that. (laughs) I was like debating with myself this morning as to whether I'm going to carry on because part of me wants to see what happens with the world because I feel like there's so much more, there's so much potential in the magic system. Yeah. That I don't think was really met in the first book and I kind of want to see that, but I don't know if I want to see it enough. But (laughs) we'll see. Well, I mean, I have to say, I mean... I have to give a shout out to uh, Lindsay from Topaz Literary. And also, before I get into that, we are adding a brand new segment just for subscribers where we are going to go through some like reviews of a book or like thoughts and opinions, other kind of non-dark academia related um, articles and themes and issues. And that's going to be like an additional add on that our Substack subscribers will be able to access including <laughs> articles like this one that I found I said by Lindsay from Topaz Literary. She's a real one. Like I did not even think to Google Scholomance and what or where or if that was actually based on something, and it is. So the Scholomance was a fabled school of black magic in Romania, um, especially in the region of Transylvania. So this is the Wikipedia quote, which was run by the devil, according to folkloric accounts. The school enrolled about 10 students to become Solomonari, a wizard believed in Romanian folklore to ride a dragon and control the, we- the weather. So that is what it's supposed to be based upon. And uh, Naomi Novik has even said on her website that ever since I first read about this mysterious place in my middle school library, I've been imagining its story. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I like the I like the idea of being a dragon rider and controlling the weather. Talk about like yeah. overpowered. I love it. Big fan. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, your uh, high school professor is the devil. <laughs> I mean, just just for an extra extra boost there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's very cool. It was even apparently referenced in Dracula. Really, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. It's been far too long since I read Dracula. <laughs> mm, same. Um, but that, in a roundabout way, is me just kind of say that, yes, it is a higher education setting <laughs> often on campus. And it is elite or exclusive because, well, I say that, but it's only elite and exclusive in the sense that if you've got magic, you're mm-hmm. going. Yeah. 
actually, on that note, I thought it was really interesting in the way that they talked about um, magic users and how the magic only works if you believe in the magic. Yeah. So people could be born to non-magic parents and because they're brought up not around magic, not knowing magic exists and knowing that magic works, they might have the potential to do magic at first, but because they don't believe in it, any attempts to do it would then fail and the more they fail the less chance they have of their magic succeeding because the less they believe in the magic and i just yeah i love that i have to say that's one of the one of the few elements of this book <laughs> that i really enjoyed i thought that was really cool <laughs> i couldn't tell you why it just went oh i like that resonated <laughs> yeah <laughs> big fan <laughs> So I suppose then we have secret societies and I guess the Scholomance in its, I suppose in its like existence is mm. a secret society. Um, but I don't think we have a secret society in the sense that we normally have in dark academia. No, there's not traditional secret societies, but I feel like the enclaves act in that role. Yeah, definitely. But, but obviously not in the we... traditional sense. Yeah, and then usually we do see the protagonist kind of, that's the whole like driving factor mm. is to, and even though Elle mentions a lot of how much she wanted to be in an enclave, like when she was younger, um, she doesn't really show kind of any kind of interest. Like, I don't know, she's a difficult, she's a difficult cookie because on the one <laughs> hand, she's like, I don't want to be part of that, not one bit. And then the other, then like, she'll suddenly be like, oh, but if I'm in with them now, that means my life's a lot easier, so this is great. So I'm like, I don't know what you want. And I think that's maybe the crux of my problem with this book, is like, I don't know what she wants. I don't think she knows what she wants, <laughs> which is never that helpful. <laughs> but there is that um, there is that point, isn't there, where she's offered a position in the New York enclave, enclave and she goes, actually, you guys are dicks. I don't want to be a part of this, even if it yeah. makes my life harder, because I don't trust you. Which I think is a really um, different approach to that kind of wanting to be included, wanting to be in that tight-knit group that we've looked at before. Because normally it's the turning point, isn't it, when the protagonist gets invited or gets accepted. Whereas it's quite near the end in A Deadly Education and she goes, you know what, mate, I'm all right, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose by that point she's sort of got her own group. Doesn't she doesn't need them so much anymore because they've kind of formed their own band of, I suppose their own enclave almost, like yeah. unofficially. Yeah, I mean, she's got the trust and the power and the, the community with them, um, with Lou and Ad- Ad- Adia? No, that's Adia. There we go. Adia. Yeah. With Lou and Adia, yeah. So next up, we have old gothic architecture. And I just don't know on this one because I don't I don't really feel like I got a sense of place. I don't really feel like I, I knew where I was in the Scholomance. It, yeah. There was such limited description. For a book that info dumps so consistently <laughs> and so heavily... I don't really know where I was for yeah. 300 odd pages, you know? It's not really, a, even, and there's even a map at the beginning of the book, if I remember correctly. I, mm. I think there's a map. That doesn't help you out either. <laughs> no. I just, there was no, I guess there was no, um, like, setting observation on Elle's part, you know? Mm. Um, I think the most vivid setting is the library. Yeah, and I suppose have room, but there's not much in it. Yeah, words doesn't give you much. Exactly, but the the library allows you to draw on other books that maybe give you more detail and other settings that you know yeah. of that fits that vibe of what that kind of library should be. 
and the workshop i think as well i think i mean again i think for most of the settings you're just drawing on like you said like what you already know Mm. and i know you do that to a certain extent in pretty much everything that you read but usually there are some kind of touch points there's like something that kind of sets it apart as this is the library in the scholomance like if if you lifted the library as you imagined it in the scholomance like from your experience like it could slot in anywhere yeah it's it's not unique or definitively from a deadly education those settings yeah i mean i assume there's no windows because they're they have to they try and sit under the um the uv lights or whatever they are in the in the dining hall Mm. so there's no windows but again we don't know because that's that's kind of a crucial detail that would define that building so why aren't we told about it we assume there's no windows because she says that she when at one point when she sat underneath it she says this is the most vitamin d i've had since going here i also don't understand why they're, they're locked in they're literally locked in from the moment they arrive as freshmen to if and when they graduate Mm. and no one seems to notify parents if one of them dies either it's just well we'll wait for years yeah yeah it's a very odd setup (laughs) it is and and you also queried the lack of teachers as well when we were talking about it and i I don't really understand did they explain why i can't remember i I I remember her mentioning it is it just because, you know, they are just locked in, so the teachers would have to live there too? And then what happens if a teacher dies? I don't know, whereas the school just teaches them. It's a very strange setup. It um, is. And it's underdeveloped for me. I wanted more yeah. from it. I think, as well, the the way that it's set up kind of invokes a lack of empathy, because, like, you've got you've got no... Like there's there's no like adult uh, input, mm-hmm. so there's no one to be like, oh, isn't this awful that we've lost another one? Like even in right, even in the Hunger Games, which is gnarly as heck, <laughs> every night you find out if someone else has passed away. Yeah, because it's cruel. Yeah. To be left wondering about it. Yeah, and I think that's one of those elements that makes me really unsure about how this fits in terms of genre because it's very dark but it reads really young and Alice is 16 and I'm like what is it (laughs) where where is it where does it sit I know it's not the thing is like it should be YA I think that's where Mm -hmm. it's like comfortably shelved yeah however it reads middle grade but also reads adult at the same time. And it's got no kind of like um, key factors that scream YA other than their age. Yeah. That's not not enough. (laughs) Yeah. It's not anchored anywhere, is it? No. And I think as well, it's almost too juvenile in the way that it deals with like dating and like snogging. And do you know what I mean? It's all, it's very, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's just. Joe, it came it came across to me, especially at the end. There's that discussion of um, uh, where one of the girls is like, "Oh yeah, my mom told me that you know there was a, a, a I can't remember which creature it was. One of the creatures inside boys' pants, so you don't go near it because you might die." And it felt very, I don't know what the word is, very oppressive, very yeah. like religious um there's a specific word for it and i can't think what it is Very conservative yeah in the way that it kind of it try it doesn't even try to explore <laughs> it's very asexual and that's not a bad thing no but not at all i think if you're but if you're then you're still going to kind of explore an idea of someone dating someone else or what have you then you can't just do it in a way that is like you said very conservative very almost like religious in the sense of like we don't talk about this or we don't do this because it's bad. Because um, you're a woman, so if you have sex, you will die. Mm. Mean girl style. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I struggled with the tone, I think. Mm. I think especially because Elle, I mean, Elle's tone is insufferable and no hate to the narrator, narrator because she's fantastic. Like she, she delivers is, yeah. exactly how it reads on the page, but how it reads on the page, <laughs> it gets really tiresome after a while. She's she's a hard brain to be inside of for that long. Yeah. Because just you just want to slap her. All the time. Yeah, she's she's like, one note stop. for most of the book, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Like she doesn't have a huge amount of nuance. No. I think the only time that I I mean I mean, <clears throat> thank goodness, but the only times that I started to really feel something for her other than irritated was like her greatest times of need. Usually when she's getting assaulted. Yeah. But, I mean, at least, thank goodness I did feel mm. something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it, it... There should be sympathy and empathy and, like, some connection with her before that point. Yeah. And then also those moments are sullied by the fact that either Orion has to appear to save her or mm-hmm. it's happened because Orion wasn't around to save her. And you're like, why does it have to be this narrative? Yeah. Or even if... And it's it's that kind of extended impact of that in that everyone assumes that it was Orion even when it wasn't. Yeah. It it completely removes any agency, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that Elle has in the eyes of everyone else. And she's very hung up on how people think about her, considering how little she tries. <laughs> um <laughs> to connect with any of them really yeah i mean i would assume that the overall story arc will be her stepping into her power one way or another i would assume so Mm. but i just don't think enough progress was made in the first book for that i just feel like she's exactly where she was at the beginning apart from now everyone knows that her mum is yeah like the famous healer like and again it's always somebody else like she's never kind of she's never given any respect for her as a person it's always off the back of someone else and i know again that is sort of the point mm-hmm. but at no point do we whenever we kind of start to see her like step up and kind of step into her own power and own it it's always ripped away again yeah it's yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to say there. It's gone. <laughs> it's difficult to read sometimes mm. for many reasons, but I think <laughs> the one that irritated me the most was just that I feel like Elle has done a massive disservice. Yeah, I I love a grumpy, unlikable protagonist, but they also have to be a person, and she didn't feel mm. like a person. She felt like a cartoon character. Yeah. She was just too one-dimensional. There was no growth. There was no character arc. Yeah. She she kind of... She got friends and she survived, but she did that in spite of herself, not because of things that she had done or changed or worked on, you know? Yeah. Well, that came a long way from old <laughs> gothic It did a little bit, didn't it? <laughs> I tell you what almost has old gothic architecture and that's the way it's written. (laughs) (laughs) So next up we have a preoccupation with classical studies, Latin, Greek, literature and philosophy. So we have this in terms of language. The, the, The magic system is based on language. Yeah. I found the magic system really interesting. But I also wanted to know more about it. Um, Even though we got massively info dumped on it, (laughs) I feel like we didn't really see it in action. It was a tell, not show. Yeah. And then almost whenever they did get it shown, it was very easy. Like it, it, again, it's like almost working against itself in that it's putting forward this idea that going to the school is really hard and it's difficult and you might die and like at any moment you might have to defend yourself and also you can't sleep at night because these creatures are going to eat you alive and then in the next breath it's like well I'll just cast blue flame and then they'll all be dead and you're like well 
I just <laughs> make it make sense. Um, I think there's isn't there three tracks you can take? There's languages, um, alchemy, alchemy, and then something to do with making stuff. Yeah, I can't remember what they like, call it. No, me neither. But basically, um, Elle chooses language, <laughs> so she can speak. She's it's assumed that she can speak Hindi, right? Um, she can speak English, and it's an Indian language. Ma, 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 ma. Mahari, Marathi. Oh, okay. So L is um, biracial, and she can speak English and Marathi. And then throughout her education, she kind of starts to pick up bits of Sanskrit, Hindi, Latin. And Old English is a lot of her focus for most of the novel. And then there's, she starts to get um, a few other bits and pieces, doesn't she? Mm. I think she gets some Mandarin, maybe? Does she get some Mandarin? I honestly can't remember. I know that... You, it doesn't seem that you have to learn the full language, though. No, like, it's enough to get by, isn't it? Kind yeah. Of. Which, I don't know, it just feels a bit flippant again. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of the easy way out. It's like, you know enough to cast some powerful, horrible spell to end the world. That'll do, won't it? Um, I don't know. I thought the whole language thing was really interesting. I find languages really interesting, mm-hmm. generally. Yeah, me too. But... I think it was too, I don't think it was explored well enough. And I think it was kind of, it was almost clumsy in the way that it was like people ended up being clubbed together by their language specialization. I mean, it was also very rare to see someone, I mean, not that you always got descriptions of people, you kind of going off their names and then, even then, that doesn't give you any kind of help. But generally speaking, the people who spoke Mandarin were like from like that part of the world, or you know, all the Hindi. You know, do you know what I mean? Like it, it felt a little bit weird. It was yeah. It was like um, they didn't have names or any other kind of defining characteristics or personality traits they were the mandarin speakers the arabic speakers the um old english speakers the latin speakers the spanish speakers you know there wasn't a um there wasn't anything else to define them i think generally the supporting characters in this novel and the kind of you know the background characters are barely there yeah they are shadows of people. You don't, you don't know anything about them, and you you could so easily read this book and think that it's just, you know, it's just L, um, her friends, and the New York Enclave. Like you could be forgiven for fi- thinking that's all the people that are in the school, and yet at one point, doesn't she say something like, "There's a thousand people in the class," yeah, something, or like a thousand that. people it's... in the in the year for. And you're like, what? Where are these people? Who are these people? Yeah, and they say, like, oh, it's usually whittled down to, like, 100 by now or something. And you're like, what? How? (laughs) (laughs) And how big is this school? Because we have no context of this building. We have no context of how these classes work because she is so in her own brain. Hmm. But for no reason. Yeah. And if it if it's that big, then surely it would take you like half an hour just to walk to the dining hall mm-hmm. because you've got to put people somewhere. Yeah, which is then really inconvenient when people have to travel in groups of four to make sure everyone's protected <laughs> against um, all the monsters and stuff. So, how is that working? If if four people are going. Surely you've got to go and get stuff all the way. Someone needs a wee. Someone needs a drink. Someone's fought something and and needs a change of clothes. You know, like, it didn't feel like it was thought out very well Mm. as a whole in the world and the structure of the world and how day-to-day life works in the Scholomance. Because I know that sounds really petty and really annoying, but I want to be able to 
you know, imagine lifting myself out of my life and putting it into that book. And you can't do that if there isn't enough to paint that scene and to paint that idea of what life would actually look like in that situation. That, however, is a very personal irritation. (laughs) (laughs) I I just don't understand. And again, this might be answered in later books, but I just don't understand why... When you graduate out of the Scholomance, surely someone, someone would have gone, actually, do you think maybe we should work on making this a bit safer for the Mm -hmm. people that go through this? Yeah. Like, is it just some kind of, like, culling system? Sounds like it, doesn't it? Because otherwise I just don't understand. I I don't get it. (laughs) There's lots of talks about, um, like, things being broken and every time someone comes in to fix it, they just die, so they just abandoned it and let the kids fight it. Which, when yeah. you think about it, I mean, have you seen anything about our government recently? <laughs> like, I mean, now I'm like, okay, maybe that's fair. That would probably happen, actually. Yeah. But also, there's nothing stopping them all banding together to... Because they're supposed to be at their most powerful, aren't they? At like yeah. 18. Yeah. What if they somehow managed to incite like a riot between mm. like the whole like or a rebellion and that becomes like a stronghold and then as they get more people in do you know what i mean it could yeah like, it could easily blow up in the faces of the adults that are out there that have graduated but it doesn't for some reason we need someone who's finished the trilogy to uh please fill us in <laughs> on if any yeah. of these issues get fixed please <laughs> yeah don't worry we i'm not worried about spoilers because no i'm gonna continue it but no, I don't care enough uh, to finish it, but I would like to know the answer to those questions, please, and thank you. Mm. One question I do have the answer mm-hmm. to is murder? Absolutely. <laughs> There's yeah. attempted murder. She talks about murder a lot. Mm-hmm. There is murder. It's very murdery. Mm. It's very murdery. <laughs> it's got I... a very murdery flavour. <laughs> I guess that happens if you go to school with monsters. but That's true. There's there's that whole thing about Orion coming into school and he's sure that she has killed someone. Mm. And it just kind of comes out of nowhere and then it fizzles back out <laughs> into nothing again when he realises yeah. that it, realizes that it wasn't her and he finds out who did it. And then that's just the end of it. Like, it's he was like stalking he's... her for this, but then he's like, oh, no, it's that guy, whatever. Admittedly, he does end up dying, well. but whatever. Like... His whole reason seems to be, like, because she's not very well-liked. Like, that just seems to be the reason, is because she's got no friends. Like, mm-hmm. So it must be her. Apart from the fact that this guy, this guy that did it is quite obviously and clearly a creep. <laughs> yeah. Like, an absolute creep. Like, he's not even trying to hide it. Like, that moment when he's in Elle's bedroom, it just, it's so disturbing. And then never talked about again. Yeah, it's really uncomfortable. I think there's there's a lot of trauma happening to these characters that's never dealt with. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do they come out of this school and be able to function as a person? I don't know. I mean, if they make it out. And well, the odds aren't that fair, high. <laughs> let, let's not forget there is that spell that basically writes... everything that needs to be righted so that's how you get through trauma with a magic wave of the wand i despise that it's such a cop out it's such an easy way out of something that could have been a really significant and um developmental thing for l and instead it's like don't want to deal with that bye (laughs) and i think that that just makes it even harder for Elle to be someone to connect with and relate to. Yeah. I think as well, like, it, the setup is so relentless that you don't get any moments to, like, reflect and, like, be with the characters because it's always something's trying to eat me. <laughs> yeah. Or you're being told 100 years of history. Yeah. In three too. pages. It's either or. That's the only <laughs> that's the only downtime. But um, yeah, I think because the 
the it, I suppose the murder or the attempted murder is so relentless. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It is actually <laughs> exhausting. Yeah, it is. So yeah, next up, go on. Sorry, I was just gonna say I couldn't. I couldn't actually count the amount of murder. It uh, gets to a point where death and murder has reached such a such a toll. <laughs> yeah. That you just you just don't you you kind of become like Ellen. You just don't care anymore. Mm. You just it's just a a, a new day. <laughs> It happens. Yeah. <laughs> so next up we have a dark, moody and or haunting vibe. And it's definitely super dark. It's definitely super moody as well. Because you're in Elle's head the entire time. <laughs> but other than that, I don't think the book for me created a definitive atmosphere in the way that dark, moody and or haunting makes a dark academia vibe. No, I think I said this to you, didn't I, that it's got a very much like a very Terry Pratchett vibe. Yeah, which I thought was really interesting. It's not it's it's not exactly like you said, it's not like this dark, moody, academia, um like questioning the existence of everything. It's mm. just it's it's teenager being moody. In a fantasy um, world. <laughs> in a fantasy world. <laughs> Yeah, it do- it definitely doesn't hit the right notes for me. I mean, I'm I know this is probably sacrilege to say out loud, but I'm not really a Pratchett fan. Um, no, me neither. Which is probably why this book doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I like his ideas and I like his uh, worlds, but I don't so much like his writing. So it just in the humour, it just doesn't work for me. Um, yeah, that could explain a lot, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So next up, we have hero worship of a particular figure or author. Not for Elle. Elle doesn't no. seem to kind of hero worship or even particularly like anyone. <laughs> no. Um, but there is definitely hero worship of Orion. Yes. He is worshipped by the entire school and by the New York enclave. And I'm finding it really difficult to say enclave instead of clave from the mortal instruments it's it's testing me it's testing me um so i interrupted myself then nope gone oh orion yeah yeah but we don't really see much of orion in terms of other than him just like running in with a sword and then running out again (laughs) like he's yeah again he's he's just not a very well developed character because I should love Orion. All of the basic yeah. markers of his, his character should be a tick box for me. But I'm just apathetic. I think as well, like the first time we get a, like a description of what he looks like, I was actually surprised because up until that point, I've just been left to my own devices to kind of fill in what he looks like. And I just, to me, with a name like Orion Lake and like the way he acts and stuff. And again, this is just me making presumptions because I've got nothing else to go on. <laughs> but I just imagined him as like this, like um, a bit like, oh, what's he called? Again, in Hunger Games. Um Peter. No, no, not... Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Finnick. I'm Finnick. just running through names here. Finnick. He's a okay. Finnick. Yeah, he I can see Finnick. that. But then... And then he gets described to you as this, like, lanky, like, almost, like, sinewy, scrawny figure. And I'm like... Oh. Uh, oh. Oh. It's not even Finnick. <laughs> <laughs> but my gosh, is he a himbo? Yeah, he really is, isn't he? <laughs> like, he barely speaks either. We we barely actually get anything from him. Yeah, he's he's like the centre of um, uh, Al's frustrations <laughs> for yeah. several hundred pages. I'm like, but who is this guy? I just feel like we need justice for Orion. And again, maybe in the later <laughs> books, I wouldn't feel that way. Because obviously, with the twist at the end saying, stay away from Orion Lake, mm. um, there's obviously something going on there um but at the same time that made me roll my eyes (laughs) oh no of course that would have been better i think if they'd actually agreed to date just putting that out there because at the minute she could she could it it wouldn't even surprise me at the beginning of book two she was like i've decided to ignore him for the entire entirety of our grad like final year and then did 
because that's totally within her remit to do that. Like that wouldn't be out of character. Mm-hmm. I think it also. But... Go on, sir. No, I was just going to say. I just, I just, I just think that he had a lot of potential and it wasn't realised. Yeah. I think it also would have been more interesting if we'd have gone into the novel with um, Elle having been warned her whole life to stay away from Orion Lake, but never really knowing why. Yes. You know, that would again be a more of a dark academia slant though as well. Exactly. That foreshadowing, that pre-warning. like, And it would give a reason for her being horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, than, to oh ev- my God, he saved my life again. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, and that yeah. would have then cast suspicion on the rest of the enclaves, and just everything. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It, it would have had more of a dark academia structure, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I just think that I don't know what I think. <laughs> I thought went. It was there, and then it went. Um, yeah, I don't know, and I don't. I again, I think this will be probably maybe better explained again if you read book two but why is he so obsessed with her mm-hmm. like the... she's not nice to him she's ever. horrible she's horrible to everybody and yet somehow manages to get friends and a potential boyfriend by the end <laughs> of the book yeah it just doesn't make sense and honestly we shouldn't have to have read an entire trilogy for the first book to make sense. <laughs> like, that's not how books work. <laughs> like, it should yeah. still be a complete story. Obviously, with, you know, a, a plot arc stretching across three books, but each book should still be a separate entity. Stupid. <laughs> well, old money, which will collide with new money or no money. That's definitely a big deal. There's a lot of focus on class and wealth and privilege throughout yeah. the novel. Um, I think as well, it's less it's less like traditional money, although that definitely seems to play into it, mm-hmm. and more like status, as in like yeah. who, which enclave are you in? Like yeah. how much mana do you have? How much power does your enclave have? That kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. But it's it's, it's very much it's very easily relatable to kind of our social terms of it. I think. Yeah. It's a very there's yeah, there's very clear lines between the haves and the have nots in this world. Mm. And you know, the access to everything and the the people in the enclaves not having to do their their maintenance shifts. Um if they put in a a request for something to be fixed, it gets fixed. Um but everyone else do, doesn't even bother because it doesn't happen, you know? Um no. and then it's revealed, isn't it, that at first it was just like enclave kids that went mm. to the scholomance and they opened it up yeah magnanimously opened it up but basically so that there was some cannon fodder yeah exactly so yeah it's a it's a big it's a big being um Al's bonnet isn't it about the the privileges of the enclave yeah i think one of the few nuances and kind of developmental things in the book is some of the enclave kids realizing how much privilege they have yeah but it it also has to be directly and you know blatantly explained to them yeah it's nothing that they pick up or work out on their own because they don't they don't have enough character depth to do so honestly yeah it's it's a big source of contention for Elle. yeah I mean, she clearly comes from the have-nots in this mm. world because, you know, from the very beginning, she's got two. She's got two tops. Yeah. Which I also, again, I thought it was interesting. Like, I, I, I don't know why it would strike me as as a place that would provide its own uniform. You'd think so though, because it provides everything else. Yeah. And also pants, like, and also period supplies. Can we just? Mm-hmm. Can I have the deets on this, please? Because <laughs> that would be really miserable if you don't have enough pants or sanitary products. Yeah. And if you can't, sometimes can't take a shower for four days because you keep being attacked every time you walk out. Ugh. Imagine that when you're in your period. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, on top of just having to fight monsters while you're in your period, that's just <laughs> that's just not cool, is it? 
I don't think. Oh yeah, I just yeah. It, I know you don't have to mention these things in a book, but even just just a just one acknowledgement of it would have been good. Yeah, it always feels like such a triumph when they are mentioned, though, doesn't it? Because it's yeah, it's it's a such a basic part of so many people's lives that they have to think about in these situations like in order for that character to be a real person they would also have to include that and because i yeah. i guess it's that idea of like menstruation is dirty isn't it you know it's that old kind of uh well i say old mm. um that stereotyping of it that um mm very sexist line of thought around it that's slowly starting to be broken down now that it feels like a triumph it feels like a win (laughs) when it's just like it's a part of menstruating (laughs) yeah i just wonder if again it it kind of it was it more just because it would create more plot holes because (laughs) by eliminating obviously any kind of mention of of menstruation we've also got no mention of like contraception and let's be real i know that they're always in mortal peril (laughs) but they are still from the ages of like 15 to 18 yeah um and clearly they got up to stuff because that's how l came into being yeah exactly i mean it's it's a thousand unsupervised teenagers (laughs) exactly (laughs) that can't leave I mean, you could still do it in that same jaunty little way. It's like there's a condom bed near, near the yeah. near the uh, like in the in the bathroom or something. But careful because there's a little creature that likes to hide in there. Like yeah, exactly. You know I mean? it, it could have been it could have been worked into it so easily. Yeah. But again, I think that fits into that same thing as like that very conservative religious. It's really annoying yeah. me that I can't think of the word. Um, of like bodily functions and wants and needs don't exist for women yeah it's it's something that that men talk about and do but we don't we don't we're not part of that yeah which actually gives me the massive ick honestly (laughs) on behalf of no i don't know where that was going (laughs) just gives me the ick just Just gives me the ick (laughs) yeah so oh. next up, go on. So are you gonna? I was gonna say, well, no. I was gonna move on to weather as a literary device. Yeah, you go for it. It's your fave. I will. Yeah, because there's so much weather to talk about in this book. Oh yeah, tons when we're locked inside so for three hundred. This one's pages. easy. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> literally none. <laughs> none. No weather. Not even weather when we're seeing the out like uh, flashbacks. No. So. Nothing none. at all. Nope. Hard no. Moving on. <laughs> So finally, we have underdeveloped social skills. Or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider. I mean, this is a easy yes on both. Yeah, on yeah. both. She has she's no just... social skills. Like she's barely a person sometimes. She's bloody useless, isn't she? I just, I know that she hasn't been treated very well, and that her attitude is in part a reaction to that. And it's all part of this. Oh, I have the power to blow up the world. But also, if you have that level of power, surely you're going to make a damn good effort to make it look like you're not actually going to blow up the world. You know? Yeah. And in a school where you rely on everyone and everyone relies on you, even if you put people off, being nice so you're a, a backup option is surely a better idea. Well, you'd you know, think so. you don't You don't have to be like overly nice but being just civil <laughs> and saying thank you when someone uh, saves your life is generally thought of as a as a good thing i just feel like if you're gonna go down that like moody don't talk to me route you might as well just go ho- whole hog and just lean into the power that you know you've got at your fingertips you yeah know? just be evil just why not just be, a bit, just be a bit evil it'd make her much more exciting it would wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> That turned into an L rant. It did. <laughs> I just find it weird because I've seen people talk about this book on like booktube or stuff. And go, I love the characters, but there's mm. n- there's not enough there to love. They're they're not. I know. They're like almost like caricatures. Or yeah. Just like, I don't know. I don't get it. 
<laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> now, technically, our next ses- section is called criticisms and interpretation <laughs> of isolated elements. But I feel like we've uh, roundly criticised it throughout. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the biggest criticism is the is the representation, isn't it? The lack, the lack of diversity and the problematic representation of people of colour across the board. Yeah. Through the entire novel. Um, yeah. So it's time for the big question. Is it dark academia? No. No, it's not. It's... I mean, I can understand why people put it on the list for dark academia, but in the way that we understand dark academia, it's yeah, not. It's not. It's, it's fantasy, isn't it? It's just yeah. fantasy. So... Our next book that we will be looking at um, in season seven will be Curious Tides by Pascal LaSalle. That is such a long summary. Yeah. Okay. Ninth House meets a deadly education in this gorgeous dark academia fantasy following a teen mage who must unravel the truth behind the secret society that may have been involved in her classmates' deaths. Emery might be a student at the prestigious Aldrin College for Lunar Magics, but her healing abilities have always been mediocre at best, until a treacherous night in the Dovermere Sea Caves leaves a group of her classmates dead and her as the only survivor. Now Emery is plagued by strange, impossible powers that no healer should possess, powers that would ruin her life if the wrong person were to discover them. To gain control of these new abilities, Emery enlists the help of the school's most reclusive student, Baz, a boy already well-versed in the deadly nature of darker magic, whose sister happened to be one of the drowned students and Emery's best friend. Determined to find the truth behind the drownings and the cult-like secret society she's convinced her classmates were involved in, Emery is faced with even more questions when the supposedly drowned students start washing ashore, alive, only for each of them to immediately die horrible magical deaths. And Emery is not the only one seeking answers. When her new magic captures the society's attention, she finds herself drawn into their world of privilege and power, all wondering if the truth she's searching for might lead her right back to Dovermere to face the fate she was never meant to escape. I am so looking forward to this book. (laughs) Lunar magic, that's not something we've really yeah. seen before. No. Like I've got to I gotta gotta hand it to them though with that first paragraph. Literally how <laughs> tick, do we tick, tick all tick, the marketing tick. boxes for dark <laughs> academia? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's a solid hard hard sell for the marketing department there. Yeah. Uh, I mean it worked. It's on our list. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. So this was a twenty twenty three debut. Um and yeah, really looking forward to this one. Yeah. So if you would like that promised secret extra content um, for a deadly education, please remember to sign up over at thedarkacademicalsbookclub.substack.com. We have both free and paid options for whatever you um, feel inclined, for however you feel inclined to support us. We appreciate you all. Thank you very much for listening. We will speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.